2: This podcast is about sex. If you're faint-hearted or easily offended, you might not want to listen, but you should. Join me, Tracy Cox, and Kelsey Chittick as we share
1: honest and real sex advice on this award-winning podcast. Tracy is an international sex educator and author of lots of books about sex and relationships.
2: Kelsey is a podcaster, comedian, and author who is getting out of her comfort zone,
1: both in the bedroom and in these conversations. Each week, we answer three anonymous sex and relationship questions sent in by you, our listeners, and nothing is off limits. Here's sex talk. Here we are, a new season yes welcome
2: back everybody thank you for all the billions of questions we're going to answer eight billion today all
1: in one go everybody's talking about sex these days welcome to welcome to sex talk we're here to help yes we are here to help and we love feedback so the more lovely thank you Tracy and kelsey emails that we get the better (laughs) we have big we have big egos that need a lot of stroking so (laughs) no good i'm glad we're back i hope everybody's doing well We're going to get started because we've got some really good questions. Just so you all know, if you're a listener, I am a listener too. Like Tracy is helping me. And so everything that you guys are learning, I'm learning. And then in like a year, I'm going to be out of the gates just doing things and experiencing things. Watch out, world. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. I have lost all desire to have sex. My libido has completely disappeared. I don't want to have sex with my partner. I don't masturbate. I don't feel anything when I do attempt to have sex with them. I'm only 42. This isn't a sudden thing. Desire just sli- gently slipped away. What's wrong with me and what can be done to fix it? Mm-hmm. I just want you to know every single one of my friends would, not every single, but many in their early forties, married with children would say, mm-hmm. what is wrong is with me? me? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Now, big question, that question. And we answer it in Varying degrees almost every show, because I think it just pervades everything. Now, of course, the one thing we'd all love to do with everything is to take a pill. And it just so happens that in the UK, I don't know if it made all the headlines over there, but they've just done this, um, they've just released the trials of this drug called, wait for it, peptin which is the real name of a hormone in our bodies. Kisspeptin, peptin, another nominative determinism thing. Right. Mm-hmm. KISS kiss KISPeptin. Now it's a hormone that occurs naturally. And it's linked with sexual desire. So they, these scientists in London have, have managed to extract it, give it to people via a nasal spray, and they showed really heightened desire for at least a couple of hours. Now, it was a very small study. It was 32 men and 32 women, and it was pretty basic. So they did a placebo for one visit, and then they got the in the next visit they did an MRI on their brains and they asked them questions. And it showed that the minute they were given the kisspeptin, the area in their brain that responds to sexual arousal lit up and the questionnaires were, oh, I feel sexy and my erections were better, etc." So that is hopeful, certainly a lot more hopeful than the other two that are out there for female desire, which is called Addy and Valisi. Have you heard of either of those? No. No. Why? Because they're I'm oh, sorry, shit. I'm probably going to get sued. They are rubbish. The side effects are terrible. Nausea, anxiety. No, like, like, no, it's more like nausea, headaches, um, just just tiredness, dizziness, terrible. You, so you even feel, if they you feel so bad you
1: want to have sex. You're like, I yeah. feel so awful. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll even have sex.
2: <laughs> so they have, they have it work. This sounds really promising. And I have no doubt that they could get a pill to wear it because it's all hormonal. Sexual arousal is generally hormonal, so I have no doubt. But there are so many other factors. And this lack of desire affects 1 in 10 men and 1 in 10 women. So it's oh, very, more than it, that,
1: more than that. Well,
2: exactly. But they're the people owning up to it, right? And it's um, and it's it causes great distress because people think that if they don't desire their partner, it means that they they it must mean they're not attracted to their partner. It must mean they don't love their partner. No, they are not linked. So why does desire go well? Combination of about a billion factors, age, boredom in relationships, feeling less sexy as you get older, or put on weight, or whatever your partner not paying attention, hormones, sex not very satisfying, not communicating what you like, dissatisfaction with life. And I could go on and on. Money issues. Money issues, stress, you know, taking antidepressants, all of these things. But there are some new discoveries that have been made that have got good practical implications, right? Now, first of all, we know that for women, you need to be really turned on, at the start of the sex session, or else we just drift off. It's like, oh, I don't really want to do it. Have I got time for this? Have I put the things on the stove? You know, all that sort of stuff that just drifts off. So you need to have sex that requires intense concentration. This is why this sort of sex we've had a million times doesn't do it for us, because we're too easily distracted. So you need to have sex that's novel in some way, right? Now, Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, are you still reading that? I am. Yeah, she talks about brakes and accelerators. And if you've got a desire problem, that is something that you you probably can find it free online, that bit about brakes and accelerators, Emily Nagoski. She talks about the things that stop us wanting to have sex and the things that make us want to have sex. And you would think that okay, well I'll just put my foot on the accelerator. No, you need to turn off the brake. So you look at what stops you having sex before you even think about hmm. What will make you have sex? So think about the things that don't work for you. Is it, you know, when do you most feel like sex? Is it when you're not stressed? Is it when you've had a big chat? Is it when you've had a glass of wine? Is it, so seek out those, you know, work out what are your breaks and then look at the accelerators. Don't, now when desire falls, we do what natural thing is we just avoid sex. If there's something sexy that comes on or an erotic book or someone says, oh my God, you've got to listen to this. They're like, yeah, whatever, I'm not interested. So that just feeds itself. So you get even less interested. So make yourself interested in sexy things. Don't turn away from them. Hmm. And the other thing that just comes up time and time again is audio erotica. Every single research thing I look at, every single time Kelsey mentions audio porn, women, it's so successful for increasing desire. Some women listen to it before sex, some women listen to it during sex, but it is absolutely worth exploring. And there's something called Dipsy.
1: I don't know if you have to pay. I think I've never you might. learned. I've never heard of audio erotica. It's. Every- is
0: very is it very like big. listening probably- to like
1: Fifty Shades of Grey on Audible? I mean, are you just listening to something sexy? No, or is it like consider- porn with just the with just the audio. It's a
2: bit like porn where you can look at categories. So you can go in, a lot of these sites will say, okay, so what do you want? Do you want romantic sex? Do you want lusty sex? Do you want this in it? Do you want that in it? And it's a story. It's just a sexy story. I like a general
1: contractor, someone who's fixing.
2: sex. They they would have that category for you there, Kelsey. (laughs) And then you just listen to it. And women like it because they have they have hassles with porn look women don't let's say they get hung up on body image they don't like the whole consent issue they don't like the ethics behind porn so all that's removed and you're just back to reading a sexy novel like you did when you were like 15 and it really works for women so i would heartily um suggest that i think she should have a pelvic exam she definitely needs her testosterone levels checked and then other than that you've got to think about health exercise joy in life. Are you social? Do you have a good relationship? Are you having painful sex? There's a billion, billion other factors, but that's a good place to start with those things. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think exercise, the better you feel, the stronger you feel, the more you move, the more you want to move. Mm. Everything is what what goes in motion, stays in motion. But I agree. That's interesting. I I have never even thought of audio erotica, but I think that is so true because watching porn for most of us, we feel bad for the woman sometimes, or we don't know yes. that she's there on her own desire or it's too much or too far, or it just doesn't relate to anything in our day-to-day life. So yeah, when you, that's why books it? are so great. And that's why you, you know, when you can create the the visual in your own head, but the narrative is there, that's a much better place. I think for us mm. than
2: it works for women much better. Yeah. Much porn better.
1: doesn't, porn does not work for me. It makes me sad. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And I feel bad for the woman, although I maybe she's there happily.
2: You never know. I like reading. I'd rather read. A, I love read. Yeah, I yeah, do too. I yeah, love a, a really good sexy book because it's sort of private as well. But then earphones are private, aren't they? No, I but a book, yeah, a book but I is I more think private. Too. Yeah, a book
1: is more private. And it's true. I mean, these my daughter's almost fifteen, but they all the books that they read. If you read them, you'd be like, what? Like you cannot really? believe what these teenagers are reading. But what a safe way to learn about sex. Mm, in a book absolutely. where you're Good. creating and you, you know, taking your time. So I, I'm a huge believer in that. So, okay. And do you know
2: what, Kelsey, the fact that you're not going, how dare you read this? This is terrible. Is brilliant. No. Cause she's going, yeah. oh, okay. This is okay. I'm totally this fine, fine with fine that. Read this. Yeah. That's Interesting. Cool. Well done. Big tick. Yep. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Okay. Hold up. What was that?
2: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: okay this one's great okay my new boyfriend is too loud in bed he's loud out of it as well but that's not the problem it's not just when he orgasms either he grunts and oofs and talks and moans (laughs) when he climaxes i swear the neighbors stop and ask each other what the hell was that I don't care what the numbers, the, I don't care what the neighbors think, but it's off-putting. <clears throat> I'm fascinated by why he makes so much noise, and I wonder how much of it is real and how much of it is for show. I don't like to ask because it seems rude. Oh, just so you know, <laughs> I mean, it would be goodbye, sweetheart. Like Someone making loud noises, to me, would be my worst nightmare.
2: Do you know what, though, it's, it's the, right, I get two lots of, like, um, questions about this. My partner's too loud
1: or my partner's completely silent. Yeah, I wouldn't want silent either, but yeah, I, exactly. I don't. And out of the two,
2: noise wins every time. And I found some research that said 57% of people, which I found this quite interesting, They 57% of people feel more confident when their partner
1: makes noise. Got that, right? Because you're getting feedback, aren't you? That makes Like sense. a noise meaning like, oh, yeah, but not yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's not, like, no, that's not going to (laughs) work. It's like a, oh, oh, that's what I want.
2: Like Yeah, mm. yeah, you don't want like the big sort of grunty cow noises. But 47% of people feel more confident when they're making noise. That's, I found that bit quite interesting. So if you make noise, you feel more confident, I suppose, because then it's a feedback thing. Your partner looks at you and they think, yes, because it's giving feedback and showing that you're enjoying sex, isn't it? Some people go very quiet. It doesn't, so it doesn't mean they're not enjoying sex if they're not loud. But I think we we interpret it like that, and I don't. It, I don't think he sounds like he's doing it for show. For me, he's louder bed inside and out. And people, loud people, tend to come from loud families. Yeah. I think, or they've got loads of siblings and they have to be loud to get heard. You know, that sort of person. But her brilliant description of noises, I like the oof and the grunt, they are the noises that you make from physical exertion.
1: So if he's I'm imagining him as a big bloke, I don't like know. Like he's lifting just, um, like he's lifting something like heavy, like a refrigerator, like oh you're like, oh God. That's <laughs> not what I was That's looking so for.
2: <laughs> but thrusting is hard work
1: so if she switches well, we don't need positions... it. we don't
2: need to hear that we can we can see it we don't need to hear it <laughs> but she switches positions with him she's on top he might not make as much noise the other thing that i found out is that when we when we have when we're just about to approach orgasm we consciously or unconsciously consciously start breathing differently we yeah. breathe shorter and shallower and that intensifies its can't speak intensifies arousal because it mimics orgasm now when we do that mm-hmm. we're far more likely to groan because of the way that we're breathing so most of the stuff that he's doing is involuntary i would say or he's seen lots of porn and thinks that's the way to behave or he's really keen to show you how much he's, he's enjoying sex. So maybe he needs a bit of reassurance. Like, you know, he's trying to go, look, I think you're the best lover ever. Look at all these, mm, yeah, you know, yeah, baby, you know, whatever. And he's waiting for you to do the same back because maybe you're really quiet. So to him, if you're quiet, it means you're not enjoying it. So maybe if you made more noise, he would make less noise. In the a way.
1: fact that he makes a huge noise when he climaxes would just end me. Like, that it was so loud that that people could hear. I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean. I would just laugh. I would really laugh. And I also think, like, it is, you think it's rude to ask. It's rude that he does it without explaining why. So I think she doesn't need, I mean, that's great that she's still in in it right now. But I don't think it's rude at all to be like, hey, babe. Like those loud screaming, like elephant noises, any chance you could explain, like, where's that coming from? You know, that's unusual (laughs) and it's kind of loud. I I don't think you should feel embarrassed at all. If this guy's making those noises, he's not someone that's easily offended. No, I don't think so either. But even if she says, look, I love, I, I think it's hilarious, or I
2: love your enthusiasm with sex and I loved having sex with you, but it's a bit distracting sometimes because the problem with this is that If you've got somebody always making loud noises, you're restricted to one style of sex. You will only ever have loud, lusty sex. And sometimes you want romantic sex. Sometimes you want sort of erotic sex. Low sex. sex. Sleepy sex. Sleepy sex. sex. You're stuck with loud, lusty sex with him. But Mm. hang on a moment.
1: How come you're not saying the obvious solution to this? Play music. But I mean turn the lights off and tell him, this time we're going to be quiet and listen to music. Country music is what I like. No one else wants it, but that's okay because I'm unique. Yeah, he needs to just, maybe he feels, maybe the silence of the sound of sex makes him uncomfortable. So he mm, overrides okay. the, uh, 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 or the bed. So he just, he stays above it. So maybe if you blast some music, he won't have to yeah. be the soundtrack of your life.
2: Yes, I think so. And if he doesn't but I, stop, I'd go because I can't. Do no, I don't think she should go. I think no, she okay. should
1: laugh. I mean, that's a lot. Like, that's just a lot. A lot of oofs and talks and moaning. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine, like, at one specific point, like maybe at the very end, but to just take it like that from the beginning, grunts don't be grunting around me. I can promise you that. Well, <laughs> you get one grunt a Did, year. Did she say how long they've been together? No, it's new. Right, okay, yeah. Obviously. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Because in time, it will get lower, believe
2: me. Okay. It really will. All
1: right, Right. this last one's hard. Mm. Last one's hard, but I'm sure it needs to be talked about. But, okay. I got herpes when I was young, about 24. For years, I had awful attacks, but then it disappeared. For about 10 years, nothing. When I met my partner five years ago, I didn't even think about it. But then the outbreak started again, and it's become a real problem. I should have just told him the minute it happened, but I felt ashamed. That was two years ago. I avoid sex when I have an attack, but it's difficult and stressful. What should I do? Oh, yeah. that's so I have
2: hard. to say, it's a question I've answered many times over the years. Not uncommon at all. Now, the thing with herpes is that some people don't tell casual partners because they just avoid having sex when they have an outbreak and they wear a condom. And... But I think in a long-term relationship, if you don't tell and you're having regular outbreaks, it puts a hell of a lot of stress on the relationship. And why quiet? Like, is it because, I mean, that whole thing that, you know, if I've got herpes or if I've got any STI, it means I'm promiscuous, is wrong. I mean, I've had a very, she's dead now, but I had a very close friend whose first sexual partner, not because of this, whose first sexual partner, her first sexual partner, who was a doctor, gave her the worst herpes I've ever seen in my life and she had it from there on in. So she slept with one person and she got it. It doesn't mean that you're promiscuous if you have herpes, you can get it so easily, it's so common and I think by hiding it, it compacts that shame. So every time he hides it from this, this his, his girlfriend, it makes him feel worse about himself and it confuses her because he'll be avoiding sex right so um now one pertinent point to this if you don't tell her and she gets it she'll think you cheated because Hmm. it's in what you're saying is entirely possible to have that scenario where you get it you have loads of attacks and you don't get anything for years and then suddenly it comes back but because she has never had herpes we don't know she might have it but you know it's unlike she probably doesn't know that so if she gets it now and then you go actually yes I was meant to tell you she'll be
1: like no you haven't you've gone off and cheated I didn't so help me understand this I didn't know I thought if you had it you so you can only get it if they have an outbreak during the time no and this is
2: the thing this is why she has a right to know When you have herpes, you get a tingling feeling. Is Anyone who's ever had a cold sore on their lip knows this. Tingling feeling precedes the blisters, right? But there is something called asymptomatic shedding, where you shed the virus even when you don't have any symptoms, okay? And that's when the person can catch it. Now, there was a study done, which I thought was quite interesting, because between... So the transmission between couples, if one person's infected and one person isn't, is only 10% over a period of a year. But... 70% of those were infected when the partner had no symptoms. Mm. So this is the thing. On the other hand, lots of people do take the risk, and if you avoid having sex during outbreaks, if you're hyper alert to symptoms, you know, it's entirely possible you will never pass it on. I know a lot of people and have known a lot of people over the years who've had herpes, roughly half of them haven't told their partner, any partner, and of those and i've known a lot of them for a very long time only i only know of one
1: case where the tra- where it was transmitted but i would be absolutely livid? irate yes mm. i mean mm. i think that is i think that is awful i know it's scary to tell but mm. i think it's just i think that's just awful to not tell somebody because yes i agree with because you. it's it's important to just be honest about that there's a moral obligation because you don't know what they're dealing with you don't know i don't know i think you Unless you're wearing condoms the whole time. Yeah, if you're wearing condoms the whole time. But
2: yeah, that's not even true with herpes, actually, Kelsey, because they could, the blisters can appear elsewhere and they often appear around the anus, so it, it's very easy to catch. But this is a way of him to get out of it, right? If he wants to tell but doesn't want to say, I've been lying to you. She's well, going to be so by, mad. Well, because how, how this can happen sometimes, some people carry herpes and have, because, but they never get an attack. And then suddenly they had a blood test and sometimes doctors randomly test for this stuff and it can come up as like, oh, you realise you're positive for herpes. And people are like, what? What do you mean? So he could say to her, look, I've got this blood test and it's showing me positive for herpes. I've never, you know, I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but, you know, maybe you could do it like that. Now, if somebody does say to you, I've got, suddenly got herpes. Or say, say you're with a partner, you've been with them 10 years, and suddenly you get an outbreak of herpes. It doesn't necessarily mean that they've cheated because it can lie dormant. Now, the way to tell, though, is whether it's a new or old diagnosis, is if you have active, you've got to, the only way to tell is to swab the active blisters or the active lesions. And then they can tell whether it's a recent infection or an old infection. So there is a way to tell, but only if you get an attack of
1: it. Only it's like HPV too, like you can... You can have it and not know you have it. But, That's right. And sometimes it washes out, yeah. And so many people
2: carry it. So yeah, many Yeah, I
1: mean, carry it. God, that I, that I do know a ton of people.
2: Yeah, and I know a ton of people who carry it and have never had an outbreak. Mm. Uh, the other way, which is probably the more sensible way, the next time you have an attack, you go to your girlfriend and you say, listen, I had herpes years and years ago. I haven't had an attack yeah. for... I don't know how long. Suddenly it's reoccurred. I didn't tell you because I didn't ever think it was ever going to flare up again. So here's the deal. I thought you should know. Now, this will work. But if you have been avoiding sex and she's a little bit like, hang on a moment, you've been avoiding sex with me in the past and puts two and two together, that might happen, happen. But I think that's your way
1: out, don't you? I think it's your best bet. Mm. and And I I I think being honest and just saying I was scared I was embarrassed I was sad I really liked you it's what I did was wrong I think if Mm. you speak from your heart you're probably going to be in a better place and if if, and if it's been a while and you guys have been together she probably loves you yeah okay
2: well but I think he has to well he doesn't have to he does what he wants to do but but I I, my thing I think she has a right to know is my feeling is that yours Uh, it is
1: Mm. okay well, off we go. Off you go to tell your girlfriend. Off we go to tell everybody about <laughs> so not making herpes. noises, herpes, and how to get your libido up. Yeah. We're doing God's work here on Sex Talk. Do you know what I'd love? I'd love everybody listening today to go
2: off and get a blood test to find out if they carry herpes. I'd just be so fascinated. I'm, so, I'm always out. scared.
1: I haven't even slept with that many people, but I'm. they're like, do you want the test of STDs? I'm like, I'm good. See, <laughs> see no evil, feel no evil. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. It's yeah. so stressful. It that goes back to what we were taught. Like, this mm. is so scary. Um, so it's hard. Yeah. Mm. I still think we've got to find better ways than condoms. There has to be a new thing since the 1920s. Oh, Why know. we don't have better protection or better ways of handling all this stuff, mm. it's mind-blowing. But anyway.
2: But they have for HIV, you know, like yeah. for gay men. They sure. can take that drug, which makes them less likely to catch yeah. it. So it's interesting that, I suppose because herpes isn't life-threatening, but it can make you pretty bloody miserable. Sure. No, it's true. All yeah, right. Well, nothing that like... Note.
1: Nothing like ending a, ending a show on herpes. But anyways, hope you guys have a great day. Everybody tell the truth. Stay quiet in bed and find your desire. True. Bye. Bye. Thanks for
2: listening to Sex Talk. If you'd like your question answered on the show, send it to us at sextalkpod.com. So that's S-E-X-T-O-K-P-O-D.com. You'll find info about my books, sex products, and more sex advice at tracycox.com. And that's Tracy with an E. If you like this podcast, please send it to your friends and rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts.